What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 50 of Hit the Books, a podcast where we dive deep into the world of sports and sports gambling. Each episode, we break down the latest news and trends, provide analysis, and offer up our best bets and betting advice. So let's jump into this episode of Hit the Books. On this week's episode, I'm back, ready to rock, looking forward to this week with the boys. Ace is out this week with a work event. We've got lots and lots of good sports uh, to go over this week to gear us for our closely approaching NFL season. Not to forget, we have some good stuff coming up in the next few weeks. August 16th, we will have our fantasy football episode. August 23rd, our college football futures in the start of that season. August 30th, the NFL Week Zero, our inaugural episode to get our new season rolling. And on September 6th, we roll into Week 1 of the NFL. I know we're all super excited about that. Let's jump in and introduce my co-hosts, Huff and Mackie, are the only ones here this week. Huff, why don't you get us started here this week? Yeah, what's going on, everyone? Happy to be back. Like Jesse said, season two, episode fifty, sneaking up on that hundredth uh, total episode here in a couple of weeks, uh, October or August thirty first, uh, when we're going to be breaking into some of the, some of our NFL futures and our week zero episode for the NFL. So, hundred episodes coming up, ninety seven today, uh, episode fifty this season. Excited to be back. A lot going on in the sports world. A lot of NFL signings. A uh, little bit of NF- NHL news with my Pittsburgh Penguins. Not much going on in the NBA, but obviously the MLB keeps rolling on. But a lot going on in the sports world, and I'm excited to get into it. Yes, sir. We got lots to uncover this week. Mackie, why don't you finish it off, and we'll jump into this week's episode. Yeah, like Huff said, great to be back. 100 episodes is crazy to think about where, where we uh, started from. I bet you if you listen to episode one, it doesn't sound anything like it does now, but uh, yeah, starting to get excited about the NFL, college football. I think we got 18 days until college football, so itching for that, of course. But uh, right now, just pushing through MLB. Uh, yeah, card picked it up a bit, had a rough day last night, but other than that, we're pretty solid. So, um, yeah, that's about it. Alrighty, boys, let's start off with our starting segment here. The top three best ways to win a bet. Who wants to get us started on this one? I think this is going to be an interesting one. I'll get us rolling here. So top, uh, my personal top three uh, ways to win a bet. Uh, they're probably going to go off of my kind of my three favorite sports to bet on. Other than baseball, the 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 walk off baseball I think is an unfair advantage. I think that's a great one. Just to allude to one of my picks, but uh, my number three is going to be a game winner in a NHL game when you have a money line. Um, whether it be a, a shootout winner, preferably a three on three overtime or in the playoffs when it's five on five, the overtime is electric. Uh, the, the kind of one, one last game next school wins idea is a great mentality in the NHL playoffs. I love that. So cashing a bet on that is definitely going to be in my top three. Um, number two, I do have the walk off home run. I think I don't bet on baseball a whole ton, but when I do, and you get the walk off home run, say your team you know, you're down two one in the ninth. You got you got a runner on base and a guy up to bat hits a dinger to take a a three two lead, a walk off win, and you just got a money line. There's no better feeling when you're down and out in the bottom of the ninth inning and you get that walk off home run to cash the bet. Uh, number one, I do have a buzzer beater in basketball. There is no better way to win a bet in my opinion than a buzzer beater in basketball. Um, whether you have a a minus two and a half and they drain a three or whatever it is. Even if it's a you have a crazy like a minus six and a half point spread and the dude chucks up one of those half court buzzer beaters just to just try to spread the lead a little more and it actually hits for you, those buzzer beaters uh, where the ball's alive as long as it's in the air, 
those th- two or three seconds, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, if this, if I need this to go in and it goes in, I'm going to go crazy. Or if I got an under, it's also a terrible way to lose one. Because I will say the other way, I'm like, the fucking buzzer sounded. That shouldn't count. But whenever I need it, <laughs> yeah. whenever I need it, I'm like, yeah, let's go cash it. It's definitely a time where like time just absolutely stops, and you're yeah. just sitting there for like feels like ten seconds, but it's like. You watch the ball in the air, you're like, oh, that's going in. You're like, oh, my God. You're you're trying to, like, like, use trajectories to see if it's going to go in before it goes in. You're like, Uh, oh. I'll be uh, watching NBA games, and, like, if I have an over, I always say, like, if I watch the ball, like, where it's going, I'll be like, "Mm, that's going in. And if it doesn't go in, I'm like, dude, you need to stop watching where it's going because you're making it not go in. I'm going to get so in my head. Same thing with unders. I'll be like, you watch it, it's going in every time. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm actually I'm pissed off. I didn't put the NBA buzzer beater in it, but um, that works for college basketball too. College basketball, yeah. you know what happens all the time in college basketball. March Madness buzzer. It's beater, almost better, better in college basketball. Nothing better in March Madness than a buzzer beater. But I'll get into my top three. I'm gonna go number three. A walk off home run, but specifically when you're losing, not a tie game, because not a lot of pressure on when it's a tie game. You're like walk off home run. That was sick. Game over. But you weren't you weren't like sweating it. So when you're down like two one, three two, or even like down 3-1, two runners on, a walk-off home run. That's pretty damn sick. But um, that's number three. Number two, a playoff NHL OT winner. When you're sitting there 17 minutes into the period, and you're sitting, you're waiting for a second overtime, and then all of a sudden Kachuk throws it from behind his back and ends up in the back of the net. I don't know if you remember that one, but that, uh, <laughs> yeah. that one of a playoff game this series, or this, this playoff run. Um, and number one, walk-off interception in the NFL. You're sitting there, you have a six and a half point spread. It's a nine point game, and you know they're going to come down and try to kick a field goal and try to get the ball back. And they're on the 30 yard line. The guy throws the ball right into the other guys, right into the defender's hands. And you're sitting there, and all the weight is lifted off your shoulders because you just cashed your bet. And because you're sitting there, and you know, like, next play, they're probably going to kick a field goal so they can get the ball back. Even if it's third down, second down, they just want to try to get the ball back. And a walk off interception is just. The most satisfying thing ever. That's yeah, that's a good that's a good one. I'm surprised you didn't have the buzzer beater in there. Dude, once you said it, I was like, ah, fuck me, but whatever. <laughs> it, I mean, they're all good ones. Yeah. As long as you win, it's a win's a win. I wanted to have a UFC knockout in there, but I don't take UFC that much. Let me run through mine here. My first my my number three is an uh, NHL OT winner in the first few seconds. So like first shift. People are still amped from the game. Like, you know, it's the energy still like, rock solid from the end of the third period. And your team just comes out first shift, Before first they shot, just goal, it's over. done. Yeah. <clears throat> Second is, I kind of went like broad on this one by the other team's fault. So like a prime example, Huff, an opposite of example is the national championship game when they miss that field goal. Like imagine you're on the side that you need them to miss that field goal. You know, like oh, you yeah, have yeah. them by. So that, like you're, yeah. By, you know. So you're sitting there, you think you're going to lose all of a sudden. Shank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're and it's, you know, lights out like unreal. Like so, you needed Georgia in that game and I needed Ohio state. Yeah. <laughs> and my number one is with your boys. There's nothing better than winning a bet with your boys. Dude, I see. I was thinking scenarios like that, and I was gonna be like being in the bar, bombed out of my mind, just looking up at the TV and seeing it cash. Like that's pretty dope too. 
that's a good one that, like that stuff's I good didn't th- i didn't think of it like that see i thought i, I, I see what you mean <laughs> that's kind of the way i was looking at it too but yeah definitely definitely a good list usually with that first one though when you said first few first few seconds i haven't even clicked back to the channel yet and i'm like oh fuck i missed it <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, boys. Good stuff. Yeah, why don't we jump right into this week's episode? I think the NHL is going to be the first thing we're going to run through. Huff said it. The Pittsburgh Penguins have made some moves. They acquired three-time Norris Trophy winner, defending Norris Trophy winner, Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks in a three-team trade. Sharks will retain part of of Carlson's salary, giving Penguins just a $10 million cap hit. What do you guys think about this one, Huff? Huff, give us our throwdown. This is one that we've been... We've been hearing the news and the rumblings of this for the past couple of weeks. Obviously, when Kyle Dubas was named the GM of the Penguins, uh, it was an an older team and you know an aging team that someone they knew someone needed to come in here and make a change, whether it be a a splash with a young player, or a superstar that's you know going to help you go out and win a playoff series. In the case of the Penguins, where we haven't won one in the past couple of years, and you know people like me, we already have our eyes set on the Eastern Conference Finals and the Cup with getting it, getting a guy like Eric Carlson back on the blue line. A guy that just won his third Norris Trophy at a hundred point season in San Jose. You know, when you're in San Jose and you're on the and you're playing defense for the Sharks, and you have a hundred point season. I mean, they weren't that good of a team last year. He had a hell of a season on a very, pretty bad team, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited to get him. I'm I'm interested to hear Mackie. I, I don't know what you thought of this. We didn't really talk about this too much. Obviously, we did give up a lot. Um, but the names that we gave up, I didn't think they were anything too much as far as a long-term plan for the Penguins in, in this short-term win-now mode that we're in. Uh, guys like Casey DeSmith, Jeff Petrie, I didn't see any of them uh, part of here or being a part of this team if we were going to go far into the playoffs. Um, I like the move that we made to bring in Nedeljkovic. I thought that's why they shipped out to Smith, but I don't know. I'm interested to see what, what Carlson adds to this team because obviously when you have... I heard Mike Grinelli on Chicklets call Chris Letang a Walmart version of, of Eric Carlson. Thought that was a little bit of disrespect there coming from him, but I don't know. I'm interested to see because obviously now we have two two of the more high end offensive defensemen. I know Latang is more on the tail end of his career with the injuries and the and the strokes that he's had, but I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this because obviously me and Jesse are pretty stoked getting Carlson. Yeah, I mean, obviously, anytime you bring in a player like Eric Carlson, you're not going to be upset no matter what you have to give up. And honestly, I don't think you really gave up that much. Maybe a little in the draft picks, but. The only thing about this is the age. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins, before this trade even happened, were the only team in the league that their average age was over 30 years old. And obviously... It only went up. But, yeah, I mean, you're bringing in a guy who's, what, 33 years old. He's obviously... The, the, the age is not what you need for the, for the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins, but the, the objective here is to, to make use of Crosby's final years. And if you're going to try to rebuild and throw, throw some of the team away... While he has what a few years left, I mean it's just kind of a waste of time. He's still obviously one of the better best players in the league, and bringing in a player like Eric Carlson, just coming off a Norris Trophy, obviously is not a bad idea. It's just, I mean, this is a loaded, still it's still a loaded conference, still a loaded division. Our Penguins, even with this move, are still probably on the outside looking in, or just trying to get to that last wild card spot. Or, or, uh, I mean, we can just see what they can do. Jari's also got to step up as well. I think. Bringing in the, the Delkovich is definitely better than having to Smith, and obviously you're gonna you're gonna deal with Smith when you have a Delkovich now. But a lot of things still gotta click for this team. But I I like the move. I can't say it's a bad move. 
Yeah, they got. I mean, like I said, they're not the they're not the youngest team. I think I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going for. At least it doesn't seem like it. You sign guys like Riley Smith who just won a cup. They're just trying to fill, I think, depth pieces and go with what they have. Not saying it's my favorite route, but obviously, like I said, when you get when when your core is now Crosby, Malk, and Latang, and you get a guy like Eric Carlson back there, um, I think I heard Latang say in a in a press conference he's willing to slide back to the power play, the second power play unit if they do get Carlson. So he's going to be the top guy on the on the number one with Malkin on the point. So a lot, I mean, not not too much defense coming from those two on a power play. Uh, so look for the Penguins maybe to give up a couple shorthanded goals if Malkin and Carlson are back there on the blue line. But I uh, also think a couple are going to be lighting the lamp. I think that power play with Gensel Crosby. And honestly, whoever held else they want to put up front, maybe Rust in front of the net, uh, and Malkin and, and Carlson and Huff Gen- Gensel out first month with surgery. Yeah, I yeah, yeah I forgot about that too. I was gonna say you don't even really have to move Latang off that first power play. You can put Carlson on offense on a wing and on one of these power plays. You don't want to move Malkin off the point because of the shot and, and the things that he can do from the point on the power play. But I mean, putting Carlson on a wing on this power play, he's He's about the most offensive defenseman of all time. So putting him on a wing is not taking anything away from your scoring ability. I, I, I think you should use him in, on forward on, for a power play. I, I don't think you need if to they, take Latang off. If they, I was going to say, if they were to go to like an umbrella, you put Latang up top, Malkin on the right side with a left-handed shot, Carlson on the left circle with the right-handed shot, Sid working the slot, and whoever else in front, Rust or someone down in front. That's good whoever point. you want to throw in front. But I, de- I don't think this takes away from Latang being on the power play. I think they can just work around this. I mean, you're bringing him in for obviously his offensive ability. You're not bringing him, bringing him in to be a stay-at-home defenseman. So I mean, yeah. use it to the best of your ability. Use your best guys in the power play. It's going to be a long season for you guys, and every single game is going to be a battle. And down the stretch, it's gonna, it's gonna really matter. And I think you got to put your best lineup out there every time, every chance you get. The one thing I didn't see that was pretty cool was when Carlson got here and he was walking around the facility. I didn't realize Jason Spezza works for the Penguins. He's like Dude, a scout for, I, for player development or something. Yeah, player development. So Carl or Spezza was giving Carlson the tour around. I'm like, wait, when did Jason Spezza get here? Can he play? Like, I know he's old, but like, yeah. that guy, can he suit up? Like, I, I saw that picture and now I feel like a plug for not knowing that that was Jason Spezza, but I was like, who is that? Because I saw a picture <laughs> of Spezza and uh, Carlson when they were in in the Ottawa unis, but, uh-huh. um, and then Spezza was obviously in a suit when I, when I saw the other picture, but yeah, that's he was, pretty in, the, cool he was in the Penguins golf shirt. I was like, what? I was like, what is his job? And I looked it up. It's like devel- director of player development or something like I they just make exactly up those roles for guys. It's pretty cool. But yeah. Kyle Dubas is doing everything he can as soon as he gets there. I mean, you, you want to make an impact on this, uh, on that city. So, I like the move though. You can't I would have liked Dumba. Uh, we're gonna get into that, but I don't know if we had the money for him. But we'll get into that. Yeah, definitely happy with what uh, Dubas is doing here in the Pittsburgh era. Lots of good stuff coming from him. Carlson added the Pens, but Getzel out for the first month. So we'll see how we fare going into this first se- this uh this one of our last seasons of glory, I guess I'd say. Trying to with that core. I think we got two years with this core, but it's only getting older. I agree. Quick question though. Yeah. What do you? I mean, you just gave up a lot of your future or pending future. What, what do you think happens when this core does retire, when Crosby goes? I mean, we know what this city, what this franchise was looking at before Crosby got there. You guys were thinking about um, switching cities, and then he obviously came and revived the entire organization. But, I mean, now that you don't really have many draft picks coming up and, you're, and, you're, and your president is leaving soon, what does it say for it? 
You know what I really think? All right, so in the next two years, I think obviously we'll stay relevant with this core. I just said I think that's the that's Sid's prime. He has two two to three more years, barring any injury with all four of them. That's, you know, they're 35, 36 years old. Three more years. Say we get through two seasons. Going into the third season with this core from here on out with these four, if they're all still there, I think at that point, if Gensel and all them are still here and we're not in a competing position and we know the payroll's too high, these guys are too old, the team's way too old, I think that's where you ship out guys like Jari if he's worth anything in a year, in two years. After a playoff run, if he puts up a fight and it's like, oh, the team just didn't have the speed to keep up with him, but Jari stood on his head. You get out, we get rid of a guy like Gensel. I mean, like, I'm not saying, you know, you want to do that, but that's where you, tr- at the deadline, where teams really need a goal scorer. If Gensel's on a 30-goal year, you're like, mm, we'll take two first-round picks for him and a young, you know what I mean, whatever, because at that point, he's going to be 28, 29. Like, I don't know exactly how old he is, but... Even like our younger players, like they they seem younger, but like you, I think even Brian Russ is thirty one now, thirty years old. Is he? Wow, I didn't know he was that old, but he's a good player. To, he's gonna be a good piece for uh, picks as well if you're going that route. That's what I mean. Yeah, that the, those two are gonna be our like bread and butter. If we ever really need to just get out of a jam and get a draft pick or two, I think those are the first two to go. Would be Gensel and Russ. But Sid, as long as Sid's here, I think Gensel will stay. As long as Sid's here, you guys are also still competitors. Yeah. It's yeah. just like you said, that division is loading up and they're only getting better. So, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I, I don't think they're done making moves. Um, I, I, I could see something else happening with the, the bottom six going to get a kind of just like no no big name that no nothing's going to be exciting. Like, no, I'm not saying like a Tyler Bertuzzi because obviously that's a huge signing when he went to Boston and now he went to Toronto. But just someone to fill in the bottom six. I'm not saying it's going to be a flashy player, but I think I think we'll get some youth on the on the bottom six. Going to be a very interesting season for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think. I'm excited to watch it, but we're going to have to wait and find out. Huff, you already hinted at this, but defenseman Mac, Matt Dumba is signing a one-year deal with the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes worth $3.9 million. So not a bad signing one bit there for the Coyotes. Uh, I have another point here for the Coyotes. They've issued a statement confirming their attempt to purchase land in Mesa, Arizona for their new arena. Their plans for the first privately funded arena, pretty impressive. So. It looks like there's some money floating around over there, and they want to use it. So that rebuild is definitely happening in Arizona. Mackie, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, a player like Matt Dumbo coming over is obviously a good thing. But I don't, I don't. I mean, this team is still pretty poverty. I don't think they're making making much noise this year. But this is a good start, and obviously, you got these draft picks coming up. Um, they're going to be down there, and this is a few solid drafts we got in a row. So, um, obviously, they got Logan Cooley as well, who they just drafted. So, um. They can definitely build around this. They could, they, have, they might have a pretty nice future, but not much noise this year. What do you think, Huff? Yeah, I was I, I'm I was pretty confused why he signed there. Like I, I liked his I I've been a fan of the Minnesota Wild. I thought they were a couple pieces away from going on a deeper run last year, um, in a West that wasn't really that confident or I wasn't that confident in. But I don't know. I I, I was pretty surprised to see him leave Minnesota just on a one year deal for just under four million to go to the Coyotes. Yeah, now like he's making a, like much money either. that's what i mean i feel like if you're leaving if you're going to arizona it's like i need seven million yeah yeah and you, like you said minnesota's like right there every year so getting a play getting rid of a player like this probably isn't the best thing to do but um i don't know minnesota's always been trying to get over that hump and they really can't dallas is running away a lot yeah i'd like to see that's a team i've always liked to see i like like to root for but i've never really been a fan of like they're just a cool franchise 
Minnesota, I mean. I liked Minnesota when Flurry went, went there for sure. Yeah. And Bill, Billy Garen's involved up there. It's, it is a good organization, like you said, Huff. For sure, they got enough. They got enough hockey outside the NHL that they can uh, You're right. enjoy. You're right. They, don't, they don't get the NHL too. Alrighty, boys, let's move forward. The NFL, the NFL preseason starts tomorrow, August 10th. We're jumping right into it. It's we're ready to roll. All that junk. Um, but first, the NFL top 100 players for the 2022-2023 season has come to an end. Let's take a look at the top 10 and feel who uh, see who got snubbed. Number 10. Kansas City Chiefs, Chris Jones. Number nine, Dallas Cowboys, Micah Parsons. Number eight, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Number seven, Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill. Number six, Bengals, Joe Burrow. Five, Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. Four, 49ers, Nick Bosa. Three, Eagles, Jalen Hurts. Two, Vikings, Justin Jefferson. And one, Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Any surprises? Any upsets? Who you thinking got snubbed? Huff, you want to get us going on this one? Mackie, if you wanna you wanna go first here. I'm trying to find the the twenty through eleven. I, I forget who I thought was the there was a couple ar- ar- arguments that I had to be slid in there, but if you want to start us off. I just think putting Jalen Hurts at number three is a bit of an over over exaggeration. He's not even a third best quarterback in the league. And I think ninety nine percent of people that watch the NFL will agree with that. Um, but you're putting him at third best in the league. I mean one and two, I think you got correct. Justin Jefferson coming off the season he had, you got to put him up there. And obviously, Pat Mahomes, we know, what, we know who he is. But I don't know. I feel like the defensive players are getting a little disrespected in the top ten. I think so, too. I, yeah. I, I said the same thing. Like Guys like, I mean, I think Aaron Donald even was 11. He had a terrible year last year, in my opinion, I think, to his standards, too. He didn't have a great year, and he, they still gave him the 11 just because the NFL loves him. So, yeah. But, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I think they got the top two right. I mean, it's hard to not throw Jalen Hurts, at least in this top four. Um, I I just think with the year they had last year, what was their record to start the year? Like, they were, weren't they undefeated for so long? Yeah, they were the the last team undefeated. They were the 11-1 at one point. Yeah, so like, I mean, they were just, they were America's team last year. You know what I mean? For lack of a better term. Like, they were the team that everyone wanted to see, the undefeated team. And he was the, he was the guy, you know how it is when the MVP, who wins the MVP, the quarterback and... That's what the, I'm surprised to see Jefferson at two, but obviously the hell of a year he had last year. But um, you don't really but, you don't see wide receivers there that often, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And last year, I mean, they says like the year before prior rank, he was at 17. So going from 17 to two, uh, that's pretty impressive. And then obviously you get Kelsey at five, a Burrow. I think anyone gonna, is going to make that argument to slide Burrow in there. But like I said, quarterbacks are going to be favored in this. Tyreek Hill, obviously people had doubts for him when he went to Miami, still slides himself in there at seven. Um, Allen, and then like you said, the defensive player is a little bit under underappreciated here. It's Chris Jones, I think he could have been higher, but there's only there's only so many guys. There's a reason it's the top 100. It's not just how we do it, positional rankings, and uh, everyone gets their flowers that way. When you got to you know break it up into quarterbacks, we all know uh, the offensive guys are what's going to be most of the top five for what it is. It's four out of the five guys are from the offensive side of the ball, but I don't know. I think some of these defensive guys were a little disrespected. Yeah, I definitely agree. <clears throat> definitely agree with you guys. Defensive guys are not getting their, their light when it comes to this list. But alrighty, boys. Next point I have here, the 2023 rendition of Hard Knocks featuring the New York Jets. Episode 1 premiered Wednesday. Very curious. You guys have uh, any you know plans to watch this or 
I usually, out. I use, yeah, I usually start out with hard knocks every year, and then once football actually gets around, I, or I, they usually work it to the last episodes right before the season comes out. But I suck with TV shows and keeping up with them, so I'll start it. Look, some of the highlights I've seen or some of the clips I've seen on Instagram so far have looked pretty good. So, um, I have been pretty excited for this, and obviously, like I always say, give me any football. I watched that quarterback. I'm about to watch that uh, Johnny Manziel one too. I heard that's another good one. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll eat up some hard knocks to start out my month of August before football gets underway. Yeah, I heard ratings are up pretty well, too. Obviously, with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, everyone wants to see that. But I've seen some clips of it. It looks pretty interesting this year. I've, act- I've actually never, like, gotten into hard knocks. I've never watched, like, a full season of it or, like, even maybe even full episodes. But this is definitely something I could be intrigued in. And uh, obviously, like, the whole Zach Wilson thing with the mentoring and Everyone wants to see that as well. So this is definitely one of the most appealing hard knocks that that we've had, or that I can remember at least. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good team for it. Did you see the clip of the one clip that I saw? It was them on the at the Hall of Fame game, and Zach Wilson was warming up, and Rogers was on the sidelines with Salah, and he was like, "Boy, he looks good." And Rogers goes, "Did you hear what he said? He asked me how much to get elastic sleeves on your jerseys, like, because Rogers has the." the long like old school quarterback <laughs> sleeves and Zach Wilson has the the elastic to show off his arms and Rogers goes you more than you even have buddy <laughs> <laughs> and then Wilson comes running over and he goes oh look at this guy he looks great out here he goes yeah gotta show off the guns the guy in front of me doesn't have anything to show off or something like that it was good Aaron That's Rodgers like, Aaron Rodgers is literally just a coach that can still swing the football literally, yeah, literally he looks like a coach when he's standing on the sidelines he, I think he's older than Salah like so, he's older than his head coach, I think. If he's not, he's right there. Yeah, I, I, they've got to be right there. Well, Tom Brady was, Tom Brady was older than Todd Bowles, I think. Aaron Rodgers, age thirty-nine. Um, what's his name? Robert Sala. Okay, Robert Sala is forty-four. He's five years older than Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, but like Rodgers looks older. Aaron Rodgers is not gonna sit there and like have Sala tell him what to do. I mean, he can just they yeah. can talk about it and yeah. do a agreement but yeah rogers is rogers so it's pretty cool to watch him like with this young jets team myself i'm the same way as you huff come i'm excited for hard knocks but i'm gonna watch like two episodes and then i'm gonna be into not just not keep up with it for sure but it's definitely a good I did show. That, I did this last year with the Lions one. I watched the first couple. That actually, that was another one that kept my interest because uh, the Dan Campbell stuff. That was a good one. So I don't know. I think this will be a pretty decent one. I'll, we'll we'll see how it is for sure. I'll dabble. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Good stuff, boys. The next one I have here: Bengals head coach Zach Taylor said Wednesday that the status on Joe Burrow's calf injury, that the timeline is several weeks from when I said several weeks. Will Burrow be under the center for the Bengals week one? What are we thinking? Huff's got his fingers crossed over there that he's out. I did, it doesn't season. sound like he's going to be. And, and with the way Zach Taylor's talking, several weeks from when I said several weeks, he's just extending that timeline. And the, what I thought was really funny is what Jamar, say, Jamar Chase said. They asked him at a press conference after uh, training camp the one day. They said, what do you think about Burrow's injury? When do you think he's going to be back? And he goes, we don't even want him back. We just need him back by week five. It's like, That's what do you true, mean? Though. No, it's I true, know though. I know it's true, but, like, you don't say that. Like, yeah, but, it's just you know, stupid to say. It's like, yeah, dude. we don't want him back. It's like, who do you want under center, dude? Kyle Allen? You'll is start that who the it season. Is? I don't know. You'll start the season with fucking four catches and 25 targets, and you'll be slamming helmets on the sideline that this quarterback can't get you the ball. 
I think if you get them back there by week five, this team is still is they're still definitely a playoff team. Who do they play the first five weeks? Let's Browns go, let's go, week. Let's one. dive into this real quick. It's Browns week one. So divisional game. Like if there's no Browns, no, it's I don't not like, Browns week one. Or yeah, it is Browns week one. Sorry, I don't, where is it? It's in Cleveland. I'd take I, I'd take the Browns. I'm taking the Browns. I, I think the Browns have a good season this year. I do too. I, I I think they're decent. I'd definitely take them without Burrow. Week two, home against the Ravens. No Burrow. I'll take Lamar Jackson in that one probably Dude, too. And you're and you're killing your divisional record. Off and that's the two. That's zero and two in the division to start. Then, yeah, but then you got you got Rams, Titans, Cardinals, three trash teams. I was gonna say year. they they really wouldn't need them back until week six against the Seahawks. That's and crazy. You, it's true though, and they're they're even pushing. They, I think they'd lose at least three games without them. I think if you're sitting at two and three, even one and four through five weeks, I think they're still a wild card team, and they're obviously going to make noise in the playoffs. Joe Burrow. But like, let's go the other way and look at what the Browns would be through five weeks. They get the Steelers and Browns play each other week two. I was just like looking at the division. Then they get the Titans, Ravens, Forty Niners. So Niners. Oh no, Niners is week six, so they have a bye week five. Steelers get the, Steelers first two weeks is 49ers at home and then Browns at home. Yeah, that 49ers game is a trap though. I know I Sam Darnold. I, I think I'm sitting on the, on the Steelers and not, uh, not gonna lie. You like the Steelers? You're saying? Yeah, I think everyone's gonna be on the Niners. Two and a half point spread, I think at this point. I think it, it's been two and a half like since the line opened. It has. You got to see the Rams this year, though. We, they can go one of two ways. I mean, that team we saw them win a Super Bowl two years ago. I'll avoid there. that. I'll avoid their games for probably the first two weeks till I see actually how the fuck they're going to play football. Because remember how fucked up, how fucked we got last year on them opening night. We were like defending Super Bowl champs. They're going to beat the Bills. We all like team. We team carded Rams money line first play of the season, and then Josh Allen just went in there and absolutely. Looked like the biggest Super Bowl hangover for one game, and really it carried over throughout the whole season for the Rams. And then everyone hopped on the Bills, and then the Bills ended up losing first or second round. Over-exaggerations are inevitable, but yeah, this is a team I'm definitely going to stay away from for the first few weeks. Get a feel yeah. for them. Because they're not going to be bad, but... They have the team. I mean, they have the they, they have the superstars at least. If you have Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford on a good day is, is pretty damn good. Um, Aaron, Aaron Donald obviously on a really good day. Who are you taking, Matt Stafford or Kirk Cousins? Because Kirk, Cus- my- Kirk Cousins. I I, I think it's pretty I, close. I, I, today, like tomorrow or two years ago. Two years ago, I'm taking Matt Stafford. Tomorrow, I'm taking Kirk Cousins. Okay, I agree. But Matt Stafford, man, like I liked him when he was on the Lions, but they've both had crazy wide receivers that have just done it all for them, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kirk, Kirk's just kind of getting used to his now, though. Because even Stafford in Detroit, he had Megatron. Well, that's what inflated all of his stats, too. Yeah, he has really good numbers from, from Detroit. He used to just air it out because they didn't have any running backs. They would just air it out every game, and their defense couldn't stop anyone, so they'd have to score like thirty points. Never made game. the playoffs. Never made, yeah. or if they did, they got kicked out first round. Jared Goff, a part of my take was asking Jared Goff, they were like, is it like weird? Like, you know, the Lions are opening up the season against the Chiefs. Like for the NFL fan, like that's pretty weird. You know, like you get the Lions, like no one really wants to see the Lions, like the opening, the opening game of the season. He's like, why is that weird? I've only been here for two years. Like <laughs> all I know is like, we missed the playoffs. We were a bubble team last year. And he, they're like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. And he's like, 
Yeah, but I know what you mean. Like, you know, the losing mentality, all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, like the lines have turned around. Like the NFL obviously kind of respects what they're doing because to give them that spotlight week one, we'll have to see. Are you struggling with a lack of access to captivating entertainment and media? Are you faced with constant judgment and ridicule from friends and family for your inability to respond appropriately to sensitive situations? If this sounds like you, you might be suffering from being emotionally dead inside. But it's not too late to make a change. One Nothing Podcast is a newly available treatment for being dead inside. Taken just once every two weeks, One Nothing could make a world of difference. By combining carefully measured dark humor to the amazing original formula of grisly fatalities, One Nothing Podcast has successfully entertained thousands of people suffering from death inside. And with access across all podcast platforms, treatment has never been more readily available. But don't trust my word. Here's some real-world testimonials from a few of our listeners currently undergoing treatment. From consistent doses of One Nothing Podcast, my posture has greatly improved due to being kept on the edge of my seat. The One Nothing Podcast comes on, everybody be like, shut the f*** up. I'll be quiet, but when the episode's over, I'll be talking again. Oh my gosh, buddy. I used to be on so many medications for blood pressure. And then I listened to One Nothing Podcast's episode on Kitty Genovese, moved into an apartment on my own, and haven't needed it since. That one really got my blood pumping. You know, listening to One Nothing Podcast, I'm, I'm not constipated anymore. I'm just full of shit. So what's stopping you from great entertainment? One Nothing Podcast is not intended for all audiences. Listeners under 18 years of age should obtain permission from your parent or guardian before downloading. Tell your therapist if you're predisposed to whining, complaining, leading podcasts poorly, being overall combative, or being easily offended, as One Nothing Podcast might not be right for you. So stop letting great content pass you by. Talk to your therapist today to see if One Nothing Podcast is right for you. Alrighty, boys. Let's go through our top five edge rushers. I know Ace isn't here, and he's real excited about these, so I think, Huff, do you have his uh, to read off? you want to start off with those? Yeah, we'll start off with Ace's. Um, he's got his Patriot at number five, Matthew Judon, Nick Bosa at number four, Micah Parsons at number two, TJ Watt at number th- – or Micah Parsons at number three, TJ Watt at number two, and Miles Garrett at one. I'm going to say that again because I can't read. All right, so I'm going to go. Here's Aces right here. At number five, he has his Patriot, Matthew Judon. Number four, Nick Bosa. Number three, Micah Parsons. Number two, TJ Watt. And number one, he has Miles Garrett. I'll get into mine. Obviously, he, he, Mackie, he fucking put TJ Watt and Parsons at two and three just to try to piss us off because he texted us and said, I wish I was going to be there for the debate. So um, we knew that was coming. I I have a pretty different, I mean, I have a pretty similar top three I think most of us are going to, but my four and five, I I have a lot of honorable mentions. So I'll just do my five to one and then give my honorable mentions. My five is Nick Bosa. My four is Max Crosby. I think the potential that he has is crazy. Number three, I'm going to go Parsons. Number two, Miles Garrett. And number one, I'm going to go to my guy, TJ Watt. My honorable mentions, other than the other Bosa, Joey Bosa, I am huge on Aiden Hutchinson for Detroit. I really like him. So 
Um, those are going to be my honorable mentions. And I did have Matthew Jude on right there as my eighth guy. So my three honorable mentions, Joey Bosa, Aiden Hutchinson, Matthew Jude on. But my top five is Bosa, Crosby, Parsons, Garrett, TJ Watt. Aiden Hutchinson, give him a few years. He's only two two years out of Michigan, I think. He's a dog. But um, I like that list. I also, mine's pretty similar to yours as well, but mixed up the top three. Number five, I got Max Crosby, like you said, his potential and just like when he impacts games, absolutely incredible. It's a shame um, the Raiders are going to be so bad this year. I know, dude, because he, he's wasted talent on that team. Four, I got Nick Bosa. Three, I'm going TJ Watt just because, I, I mean, his impact on the is availability. Yeah, your best ability is availability, but he like you see it the most when he's not on the field and when he is on the field. The Steelers are a completely different team with him on the field. Kind of, di- I kind of feel disrespectful putting him at three, but I am going to put him at three. Number two, I go Miles Garrett, um, undisputed top two, I think, in my opinion. And then I got to go with my dog, Michael Parsons, number one. More, more for what I think he's going to do this year. What he's done the last two years, absolutely incredible. Right out of Penn State immediate impact but uh this year is a huge year for him and i think he knows it and he's i think he's the youngest guy on his list as well so um absolute dog big, big impact player so let's see what he can do this year yeah this will be the year he has to go get that defensive player of the year i like that list michael parsons is a dog at a fence state i always liked him all right my list is similar number five i have miles garrett four michael parsons three aaron donald two tj watt and one nick bosa I don't know why I thought Nick Bosa should be up there, but like, it, he, I mean, you can make the case for it. Yeah, you, it's, you I don't really know. It just can. it kept coming back and coming back every time I'd go through this list. Like I was, it just it was the name that Based kept the, coming to towards the top of my list, which was weird. But, but I was gonna say the the one that never really slid in there for me was the the older Bosa Joey. I I yeah. just think he always Nick was even whenever Joey Bosa came into school or came into the NFL. We were always kind of waiting on. They always knew that there was the younger brother that was supposed to be even better than he was. So, I mean, Joey, wasn't, wasn't Nick know. Bosa ranked? We just went through that top ten. Wasn't he ranked fourth fucking best player in the league last year? I'm trying to find that again. I don't know. But Joey coming out of Ohio State was definitely like supposed yeah, to be four. He was ranked fourth. That's pretty crazy. I didn't realize that. He was the highest rated defensive player. Hmm. He's up there. I mean, he's definitely definitely in the conversation. Uh, I just got to put those three guys ahead of him. TJ Watt, dude, I was, uh, I think he was ranked 18th out of all edge yeah, rushers. I, wow. I, I saw that. I was like, God damn, that's disrespectful. They had got, I mean, like last year, like I if you're going off just Watt, a though. last year, they had so many, like all those Eagles, Josh Sweat. Josh um, Sweat, yeah. Hassan Reddick, they had crazy stats edge rushing for the Eagles. Um, I'm trying to think like Yannick and has got to be up there, but like not, none of those guys are like top five. You know what I mean? Yeah. These are the guys that come to mind. I think top five. Judon's Judon's there. Uh, I wouldn't put him in the top five yet though. I think there's a few guys I would even put it right behind, uh, the top five. That's, I, him, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I have more, I have probably two more guys before I slide Judon in there. Even yeah, the dude too. for Seattle, I can't pronounce his name, but he's a younger dude. He's pretty fucking good. He had like a lawway or something. He has a name I wouldn't be able to pronounce. He's pretty, he was a stud last year for Seattle. <clears throat> I know we're all really pumped for this NFL season. We're almost there. Preseason starting tomorrow. But this next one's pretty interesting. Saints running back Alvin Kamara receives a three-game suspension for his involvement in a Las Vegas fight during the Pro Bowl. 
in February 2022. So we're seeing this come around, getting a three-game suspension off the crack. What do you guys think? I actually um, remember when this happened. You do? Wasn't this like right after they got kicked out of the playoffs or something? Yeah, it was... Uh, I don't remember what game it was. It was the 2022 Pro Bowl. It wasn't last year. It was the year before. Oh, it was during the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it was in Vegas for the Pro Bowl weekend. And he like fought a dude in a club or something. And... I don't know, three games. I, the, the Saints are in a bad division again. I looked at their record. I think that division plays like really bad teams uh, out of conference, and the whole NFC isn't that great. So um, I think the Saints, are, they'll, they'll be okay. They're, they're in talks about signing uh, Kareem Hunt. So I think they could, if they get him and they have Jamal Williams, obviously, if they, I mean, if they have Jamal Williams, Kareem Hunt, and Alvin Kamara, I don't really know what their plan is there. Obviously, Kamara is your one, but. Jamal Williams led the NFL in touchdowns last year, so you're obviously going to get him his touches, at least on the goal line and whatever they plan with him. So I think the Saints will be okay without uh, um, Kamara for the first couple of weeks. You don't, you, you don't want to sleep on Jamal Williams. He's got the young legs, too. We know his running backs kind of hit a peak after three years. So Alvin Kamara sitting out three games might have a tough time getting back in the in, uh, rotation. Yeah. True. Jamal Jamal Williams goes off the first two weeks. Yeah, he's good, dude. He had a good year last year, and he's coming right off of that. I mean, what is this? His third year in the league. He was with the he was with the Packers for two years. This might be his fourth. He was behind AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Yeah, you're right. He was. I, let me look into how old he is. Let's stay on the uh, the Saints train here. The Saints plan to sign linebacker Anthony Barr and running back Kareem Hunt pending physicals. Kareem Hunt said he had a great visit with the Saints. He's now on his way to Indianapolis to meet with the Colts on Wednesday. Do we see the Saints making uh, some of these ads here? Do we think... What are we thinking here? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, him going to the Colts is also a pretty interesting spot, in my opinion, because obviously the Colts are kind of on their way towards a, a downward spiral, but we know we don't really know what's going to happen with the situation with Jonathan Taylor and what's going on there. So, Do they have a lot of um, money to give? Uh, I don't know because he's probably not going to get a lot of money either. So I, I, it's it's either he's going to go to the Saints and have a chance to go to the playoffs, but he's going to sit behind two guys. Like, I mean, when, like when Kamara comes back and Jamal Williams, or he's going to go to the Colts and risk sitting behind Jonathan Taylor or Jonathan Taylor gets traded and he's the number one there. Like, I don't really know what the plan is because they have that – what's his name Jackson or something Dion Jackson I think is his name he was a young guy like that too so I mean with what Jim Irsay is saying they're probably cool with just paying the young guy nothing at running back good stuff there boys lots to keep going on the NFL but our last point here is the Lions are signing quarterback Teddy Bridgewater come in and back up Jared Goff I think you guys kind of hinted at this a little earlier but is, is this gonna be another piece for the Lions like you know, is this a good? Is Bridgewater actually going to be a good backup for them? I don't know. I don't think so. But I mean, it's one of the better backups in the league, but it doesn't really come into play. Well, how often do you see a quarterback sit out? And Jared Goff is good. I, I, he's been underrated the past few years because he got dealt by the Rams and they they wanted to do that switch. And obviously, Stafford came in and won him a championship right away. So Goff look, gets looked at as a pretty shitty quarterback, but he did get to a Super Bowl f- five years ago. I think didn't put up a very good showing. I think he only put up three points, but. Um, he, he, he is, he is a pretty good quarterback and he showed it last year and his Lions team is getting a lot better. So, um, it's not like a situation where they're going to be like, 
step up or Bridgewater's coming in. I think it's more of like a safety net type of thing. I don't know. He's definitely one of the better uh, backups in the league, though, at this point. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I don't think I I I, I agree with Jared, your take on Jared Goff. I think they're in a pretty good spot. They're the favorite to win this division. I think at plus one twenty. Even though I'm still probably not going to pick them to win the division, I'm probably still going with the Vikings. I like the value in the Vikings at plus two seventy five that I've seen. But um, crazy value. Yeah, I, I said the same thing. I just I, I I don't think you can give the Lions the favorite to win this division yet. I think it should be a little more even. But prove um, something first, right? Exactly. Alrighty, boys, lots of good stuff there in the NFL. We are just a mere 29 days away with preseason starting here tomorrow. We're all super excited, I know. And we will have lots to look forward to as these live streams start and things like that. I think that week one Steelers 49ers game, we're going to have a lot of good conversation about that one. So I'm really looking forward to it. The NBA season is just 76 days away. I know we're really excited about that one as well. But let's jump into a little MLB with our power rankings for the week of August 7th. Coming in at number five, we have the Los Angeles Dodgers. Number four, the Tampa Bay Rays. Three, the Texas Rangers. Two, the Baltimore Orioles. And number one, the Atlanta Braves. So pretty good um, pretty good list there, boys. Any comment on that before we move forward to what's going on in the MLB as a whole? Those Rangers, man. We took we kicked them out of the power rankings last week and they shut us up with eight straight wins. I was gonna um, say and then and then we kinda hopped on it for a couple of games and we at least kinda made some money off of it. So if we're gonna be wrong about pulling them out of there, at least we hopped on whenever they started winning games again. Yeah, but those uh Braves and Orioles are holding real strong one and two. I don't think anyone's taking their spot anytime soon. But three, Rays four, continue and five to slide. What? Rays continue to slide. Yeah, they're well. They were back up to three last week, but they've been three, four, three, four. They can slide out soon. I mean, you got those teams knocking on the door. Those Astros want to get in real bad. I know they do. So, Astros. Um, Did Texas lose right today? Now? They were down two nothing to Oakland. They lost two nothing. Yes. Astros are gonna lose too. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. Don't say that. It's okay. Come on, the but if they both tonight. lose, if they both lose on the same day, it's okay. Did you see that game last night? No. They were down 6-3 going into the top of the ninth. They won 7-6. I didn't see that. I did see they won. I didn't see how. That's cool. Dude, it was incredible. I saw people tweeting like, cash, cash O's, cash O's. I'm like, dude, <laughs> base, base is loaded, top nine. Like, careful. I was like, I was at that Pirate game, and I, I left early. I knew, I knew the Pirates were going to blow that. When I left, I think it was 6-5. And the two outs... Uh, top of the ninth, um, I think it was a one-two count. Braves got a base hit, tied the game. Another base hit, or I think it was a double. Boom, eight-six. So all with two outs, they scored three runs. It's like those good teams—they're never out of these games. Especially, I mean, especially when the when the right part of their lineup comes up. At least for the Braves, I think it was Olsen. So it's like boom. Especially the Braves, man. I mean, and part of that lineup comes up, and you gotta you gotta be timid about it. No dude, Darno had three doubles last night, or four dude, doubles. Darno's batting like two sixty, dude. It's it's insane. There's not one person on that lineup that's like not having a good year. It's crazy. One through nine, you 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 can't you can't you gotta worry about every single guy. It's crazy, but that's why they are the best team in the league. Yeah, and then I saw Acuna get beamed in the elbow. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, they're doing it on purpose. Like, relax, dude. The guy gets beamed. Like, everyone else gets beamed in the ML- MLB. Just because he's having a good year, it's intentional. Yeah. Of course. Right? I, the, the, 
Did you see Acuna after he scored his home run? So he was 0 for 5 two days ago in the first game of the series, and then he hit the home run in the first at bat yesterday. And I think it was the second pitch of the game. They kept zooming in on him. He was like talking so much shit over at the Pirates dugout the whole time. And then obviously the Pirate, and then Hayes hit a three run bomb in like the second inning. So then I think he kind of shut up. But then when he got hit by the pitch, he looked pretty pissed. Yeah, he left the game. Yeah. That was the video I sent you. I was was sitting right there. I took the video. I'm like, he's either going to get a home run here or strike out. And boom, he gets hit by a pitch. I'm like, or he just gets hurt and leaves the game in in total. He got hit on his pad. Yeah. It's a pad there and he got hit in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like what do you wear those fucking flashy yellow pads for? It's like what do you have those for, are... man? Like Yeah. I mean I know they're swaggy as fuck and they add style, but can't can't be bitching if it hits that and you're you're out and missed a couple games. Is he playing tonight? I'm sure he is. I'll check. I'm in fantasy. Yeah, he is playing tonight. He's leading off. I gotta turn it off. But yeah, we can get we can get into this uh these wild card races. Uh right now in the NL the NL is getting really tight. They got Phillies leading by three games right now. Uh Giants are in that second wild card spot, also three games up, and the Cubs are sitting there in that third wild card spot, tied with the Marlins. The Reds are a half a game out, the Diamondbacks are two games out, and the Padres are four games out. That kind of wraps up the uh the teams that are still in the race. So Huff, you want to dive into this a little? What teams do you think are gonna end up getting in at the end of the season? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm obviously gonna go with the Phillies. I think they've been they've been hot of late, even though they struggled with these uh, the Nationals last night in the second part of that doubleheader. And uh, but they they've been rolling the past couple of weeks. I think the Phillies will lock up one of these spots as well as the Giants. That's a team I've liked the past couple of weeks. Um, I, I've said they're they're not necessarily the splashiest team, the the flashiest team that you want to go out. and They don't have all the superstars, but I think the consistency that they bring every night. Uh, I think they could get in a team that scares me. Uh, that I was liking earlier on was Arizona and San Diego, but obviously for good reasons with San Diego, but I don't know the inconsistencies. I didn't love the moves that they made at the deadline to go get like Rich Hill and G-Man Choi from the Pirates, and I didn't think that added much to them at all. I'm not saying they needed too much from a batting perspective, but I've never been too big on the on the Reds. I think they're still a year or two away. I don't think they'll get in. I like this Cubs team. I said early on, I think this Cubs team was going to take a while to get rolling with all these new names and the new lineup, uh, the free agency moves that they made with Dansby Swanson and Bellinger and all the names they brought in. I definitely could see this high, the highest scoring offense since the all-star break get in. So I know it's not the, it's the easy answer to give you giants, Phillies, and probably the Cubs, but I do like it to kind of separate how it is. I think the, those three teams will continue to separate themselves. I know Miami's sitting there right there with the same record as the Cubs, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I haven't been big on this Marlins or Reds team all year. I watched them play today. Obviously the uh, Miami won, so they're going to beat up on each other a little bit today or this week. So, um, I don't know who are you going with here. I'm not big on the Diamondbacks or the Padres. I thought the Diamondbacks hit a little streak where, uh, they kind of came back to reality similar to the Rays. Yeah. I mean, Diamondbacks are 0-7 since the trade deadline, since they went all into, uh, since they ended up being buyers and not sellers and look how it's working out for them. I mean, those three teams sitting right on the outside, Marlins, Reds, Diamondbacks, have all hit a, hit a brick wall. They were all teams, all three of them were the three teams that were in the wild card probably a month a month ago. And now they're all sitting on the outside looking in. And for good reason, I mean, these teams are just hitting a brick wall. They don't they don't have all the pieces that they need down the line to get to really weren't make the a Reds, run. Weren't the Reds the same thing? They haven't won a game or something like that since the All-Star break. Reds they have a are, terrible record. They were oh, they were on a six game losing streak going into the series and they took one from Miami. Since the, Miami de- took since two the trade deadline, sorry, the Miami's, trade deadline. 
Miami's been bad too. I mean, all these teams on the outside looking in are not looking very good. And I don't think the Padres get there either. But I do think that the Cubs are going to end up winning this division, hopping the Brewers. They're sitting two games out right now, and they're hot. They're the, probably the hottest team in the league right now, coming off a series win against the Atlanta Braves, who everyone knows who the Atlanta Braves are. So this team, if they keep rolling, we said in the beginning of the season, they have the lineup to do it. They started slow, and we were a little shook by that. But, I mean, like we said, a long season, 162 games. They're really finding their stride now. Big players stepping up, the pitching's there. So I think this team hops the Brewers and wins the division, and the Brewers find their find themselves in that last wild card spot, but I think the teams in the NL right now are going to stay in the playoffs. I'm looking at the Brewers' schedule right now. So they get the Cubs at the end of this month for a three-game series. Um, they do have a, a tough six-game stretch there in L.A. and then in Texas, but uh, obviously they just finished up a, a three-game series with the Rockies. They won that series. They get they go to Chicago, to the Dodgers, to the Rangers, and then home against the Twins and Padres, and then they're in Chicago for the Cubs. Can um, I, can I, can I read you this Cubs schedule coming up? You're, you're yeah, gonna go. Be, like you're gonna be amazed. All right, so they have to go to they have to go to Toronto for three games, right? Then they have two against the White Sox, three against the Royals, three against the Tigers, four against the Pirates, and then they have their a pretty big series against the Brewers. So I mean, they have a chance to just really. Tear this yeah, thing flip over this right whole series. Yeah, have that division by the time they have to play those three games against the Brewers in in a uh, Wrigley Field. Then they have the Reds, Diamondbacks, Rockies. I mean, this team has a pretty weak schedule coming up, and like you said, the Brew or the yeah, the Brewers have a, a rough stretch there, and Cubs are not going to run into any of those. So, um, I like this team's chances. I I liked it before I even saw the schedule, and now now I really like it. Alrighty, boys, lots of good stuff there in the MLB. But let's jump over to these college football realignments. Just curious to see where all these different teams are ending up with all these different changes coming to the college football, uh, the college football league. Let's start with the ACC. The ACC isn't having much of a change. They're having the same 14 teams heading into the 2024 season. Notre Dame still has a five-game arrangement with the conference. They have a ESPN TV deal that runs through 2036. Following them, the Big 12. The Big 12 will have 16 schools for the 2024 season. The Big 12 had 10 schools in 2022. Conference added BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF for the 2023 season. And lost Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC in 2024. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah are joining the Big 12 in 2024. Following them, the Big 10. The Big 10 will have 18 teams in 2024 to the 2025 season. Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Washington are leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten. And over to the Pac-12, the Pac-12 will now have four teams in the 2024-2025 season. Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Washington are heading the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah are heading the Big 12. Like I said, the SEC SEC will have 16 teams in 2024-2025. Oklahoma and Texas are joining the conference next season. Anything else you guys yeah, want to hear? A, that's no, that's a lot to take in. Uh, I was thinking about some of the some of the matchups that we're going to get now. Obviously, you know, in college football, college basketball, all the sports. If this South, the new conferences are going to be, um, we're going to get a lot of the the West Virginia, like Utah, West Virginia, Colorado. Uh, we're going to get to see Dion in the Big Twelve, what he can do in a year or so. But 
Um, it, it's going to be interesting in college football and college basketball. The college sports world is uh, forever changing, obviously, with the NL or NIL the past couple of years. Uh, we saw a lot of these schools do what they could to compete with that. And now uh, the realignment with the Pac-12 basically going uh, to the rest, for lack of a better term, uh, they're losing. Like you said, they're down to four teams. And you have Oregon in the Big Ten. That just doesn't sound right. Washington in the Big Ten doesn't sound right. I'm hearing Stanford is probably going to go independent. So that's another interesting one because a couple years ago, Stanford, when they had like guys like McCaffrey and Andrew Luck, and now you think they're going to go independent. They were winning the you know, all the big bowl games back then. And I don't know, just what's happening with the Pac-12 and what's been happening with Pac-12 uh, sports in general. The the football, I just think it's it's a little interesting. Um, but it's I'm excited for the new matchups that we're going to get. I guess I see both sides of it. I never really cared too much for like the brand of Pac-12 because personally I thought it was trash college football I didn't really care to like stay up and watch Oregon Washington and the score be 48 to 42 and me have to stay up till 1 a.m to watch it I just I I was always more SEC I'm not saying Big Ten because the Big Ten's like fucking 13 to 10 like boring ass style football but I don't know I just kind of stick to like the SEC because college football Big Ten is at least entertaining to me but I don't know. I, I, that's why I'm not too upset about some of these new moves. We get some new new flavor into the Big Ten and the Big 12. Better in the South, right? Yeah, I mean. But yeah, I mean, the, the Pac-12 has always been that, that one conference. I mean, you said it last week, the ACC, everyone thought the ACC was going to be the team, the conference that uh, kind of blows up in football, and it would make more sense because it's more places for teams in the ACC to go. But Pac-12 was just a, a ticking time bomb, in my opinion. Now we see four teams left in. I mean, these teams shouldn't even play conference games this year. I think that playing, what are you going to do with four conference te- teams? It's not, it's not even a conference. It's just, it, it's, it's a waste of time, in my opinion. And um, I, I mean, for better reason, I mean, teams like Oregon, USC, they don't want to play in the Pac-12. They don't want to play this type of competition. They're not getting exposure out there. They want to go over there and play Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and teams in the Big 12, like Oklahoma and Texas. I know they're leaving in, in two years, but you know, they still want the exposure to be over there. And, and it is cool to see these like, new teams coming to play conference games. You're going to see West Virginia going out to Colorado and Utah and Arizona. And for a team like West Virginia, who's already had to fly to Texas 10 times a year because every team in the Big 12 is in <laughs> Texas or Oklahoma, they don't care if they have to fly an extra hour to Arizona or an extra two hours to Colorado or Utah. It, well, we I thought mean, it was so crazy when West Virginia went to big to the Big Twelve for that reason because it, the travel was crazy. And now look at like Washington's going to be coming to Rutgers. Everyone's doing it now. You're going across the country at this point. It doesn't matter about travel anymore. I mean, teams just want to play the best teams that they could possibly play and put their put their programs in the best possible conferences that they can. And uh, if they're able to do that and blow up the Pac-12, I think it's a good idea. I think it's going to be an interesting college football season. We're coming up on that here as it's starting, or has started, if not already. Um, can't remember exactly when. What? The, that, the college football. Stuff. 18 days. 18 days. I was going to say, it's coming up. It's coming up. I'm getting my days all mixed up. August 9th here. Alrighty, the next point I have here is former Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury has officially joined the coaching staff at USC and will add Heisman quarterback Caleb Williams to the star-studded list of quarterbacks that he has had the opportunity to coach. Some other notable names are Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M, Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, and Kyler Murray with the Cardinals. An impressive list of just, like you said, star-studded quarterbacks. 
What do you guys think about this? Any comments on Mr. Kingsbury? I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, you get an NFL caliber coach, not necessarily one that had too much success in the NFL, but someone that's been there, done that knows how it operates. And you have a guy like Caleb Williams coming off a Heisman season. He's the favorite to win the Heisman again this year. Um, there's so much high expectations for him and what USC can do this year. Obviously, they're last year in the Pac-12 and what's going to happen with all that. All these games are going to mean more. Um, I'm really excited to see what he's able to do with with Kingsbury uh, you know, in his headset talking to him because we already know what uh, Caleb Williams is capable of and getting ready for a pro-style offense. I think this is a win-win situation for both the player and the coach. Yeah, definitely. And one thing to get back to about Caleb Williams is that last year during his Heisman speech, he was uh, lined up next to C.J. Stroud and... Bryce Young. And, and Dugan. Oh, Max Duggan, yeah. Max Duggan, and and and, they, and he said one thing. I'm standing up here with this trophy, but one thing I'm not getting is that you guys are all in the college football playoff. And I think bringing in Cliff Kingsbury makes their chances a lot better. A team like USC, and that's what they want to do is they want to win a national championship. They didn't have the chance last year, and that's what they want to get to this year. I mean, obviously, Caleb Williams is a dog. I've been high on him ever since he left Oklahoma, took over uh, from who's that loser that, that transferred to South Carolina? Rattler. Um, yeah, Spencer Rattler. Take over for him because Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley went to USC. Yeah, and, Ra- just, and Rattler went to South Carolina. South Carolina, like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, but, uh, if you're going to the SEC, don't go to South Carolina because you're just going to get eaten alive. <laughs> exactly, but um, yeah, bringing in a guy like Cliff Kingsbury for coach uh, Caleb Williams in his last college college year, I think is a very good idea. I think USC can make some noise this year too. Absolutely, Kingsbury is a genius, man. He's one of the guys that really knows the game of football. He's not a head coach. That's that's why this is a perfect role for him. He's a college. He's a quarterback. Coach. Yes, this is a perfect role for him. He's a quarterback coach. I listened to him talk about Johnny Manziel coming into the NFL, and it was like, God damn, this guy is smart. Yeah, I I, I think it, the Cardinals obviously they weren't a good team, and he wasn't the best. I mean, it's it's got to be hard to be an NFL head coach. I can't imagine it's easy, but I think it's a much better role for him in college too. Not many, not as many eyes on you. You're working and with the best quarterback in college football, and he's the smartest guy down there. I mean, yeah, he knows it. So I mean, that that makes a difference. I was gonna say he has well. the resume now that I've done it in the NFL for two years. Yeah, I might have got fired, but I kept a job as a head coach in the NFL. I was probably I don't forget where he came from before there. I think it was Texas Tech. Yeah, it should be uh should be fun to watch this year. Again, more of that college football talk. So excited for it. Mackie said it 18 days. We're ready for it. We got one final point here that I'm that I'm particularly excited about. Former NFL All-Pro and Super Bowl champion Richard Sherman will be joining Undisputed alongside Skip Bayless for the season, around 50 to 100 episodes. I think that's pretty cool. Pretty just fun and exciting, a different look at things. What do you guys think? The old, the old football fans. Not even the old football fans, but, you know, if you've been watching football for a good amount of time, you remember... Right after he talks his, his ass off to Crabtree, he talks his ass off to Skip on Undisputed. So, um, what did he tell him? He's better at life than him, than him yeah, or something? Yeah. So Yeah, he was like, I, I have 14 interceptions through three years. And he, he goes, oh, I'm not doubting you. Do you think you're better than Darrell Revis? He goes, I'm better at life than you. 
Yeah, he's like, I'm not talking about me. <laughs> but he, uh, Richard Sherman's done a lot of growing up since that time, obviously. So uh, he's he's getting his name out there in the reporting game. This is a good step for him. It's I can't cool wait for this first episode. I, I'm not going to lie. I did not like Skip and Shannon. I will tune in the first episode. Richard Sherman's on there to see if they reference that at all. Definitely. They're definitely going to bring it up. But yeah, Richard they got to just air the air the, the air the grievances real quick and then just kind of let it go. That's going to be interesting to listen to. But, I, you know, Richard Sherman's grown up a lot since then. Uh, he's gonna be humble about it. It would. It's gonna be so. You know, they're gonna show the clip. It's gonna be so funny. Richard Sherman's probably gonna say that. He's gonna be like, I mean, I was, but I mean, I was a cocky I was, asshole. I was twenty five, like, twenty six years old. <laughs> like, yeah, I was. A, he was like, he's probably gonna be like, I was trying to get a paid. Like, I think that was before. He was probably on a rookie deal. He's only his third year in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that was he was making a name for himself at that point. He goes, Are "You better than Darrell Rivas is right now." He goes, "I'm better at life than you." <laughs> he's like i'm not talking about me bro like, like, dude i'm 60 years old <laughs> so good and All look right. at them now in the same exact situation <laughs> yeah <laughs> Alrighty, boys lots of good stuff here this week as we gear up for the nfl season preseason starts tomorrow i know we're all ready for it that's all i got make sure to check us out on all our social media platforms and that's all I got this week. Anything else, Dad? No, I think it's going to do it for me. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Like Jesse said, we're going to get into more of these uh, our fantasy football looks in the next coming weeks and uh, week zero for both the college football or our futures episode for the college football world and where we get into that kind of stuff and also same thing for the NFL. Uh, so definitely the next couple episodes are going to be ones you do not want to miss as football is right around the corner. We said uh, preseason getting underway. I'm not really going to be betting on preseason, but uh, about a month away from some real football, and I can't wait for it. So thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week.